Welcome to the scene. This is Screen Time. My name is David Chu, and I am a lover of film and pop culture. I am a theatre student here at UNE, and I'm collaborating with Belgrave Cinema and tuned to bring you this show. Screen Time is essentially a program where I review films that are showing in Belgrave and talk and discuss and opinionate. Good day to you all. It is another day, it is another week, it is another episode of Screen Time. Today is the 10th episode, and what more could you want than to spend your precious time listening to me? We have a bit of a spicy movie today, so if you plan on seeing it, bring your ID, as you will need to be above 18 to see it. This movie goes for 1 hour and 43 minutes. Today, we have up on screen the movie, Anyone But You. This film is a romantic comedy. I personally am a major fan of romantic comedies, so this movie should suit my tastes. This film is directed by Will Gluck, a man who spends his time as a producer more than a director, producing films, TV shows, and music videos. Perhaps you have heard of Annie? The McCarthy's, The Loop, or Easy A. From the look of this man's history, he loves making anything with comedy and romance comes a close second. This man also runs a production company known as Olive Bridge Entertainment. Along for the ride is Ilana Wolpert, who co-wrote this film with Will. She is in around five projects in total as a mixture of things. She was a writer for High School Musical, The Musical, The Series, and was an additional crew for Mystery Science Theatre 3000, The Return, and Another Period. Hopefully, we shall see more of her around. This film is about B and Ben. No last names. These two met at a coffee shop and hit it off. So well that they spent the night with each other after. B is a university student studying law, and Ben is a stocks and shares kind of guy. Both are just trying to get by and figure stuff out. And then due to some misunderstandings and muck-ups, these two turn from love to hate. Six months go by, and they haven't seen each other for that time, before they are reunited in a bar. And we find out that, surprise, surprise, B's sister, Haley and Ben's friend Claudia are getting married. And B and Ben are in the wedding party. So, for the next few days, they are stuck with each other, and the couple's families, as well as other surprises from their pasts, all the while in... Australia. Tis going to be a fun journey, full of hate, love, and laughter. So for the cast of this film, we have Sydney Sweeney as B, Glenn Powell as Ben, Alexander Shipp as Claudia, Hadley Robinson as Haley, Garda as Pete, as well as a few other colourful characters. So for the world, there were a lot of pretty shots. I'm jealous of this world they have created. Something tells me through conversations and contexts in this film that Haley and Claudia are from quite well-off families. Like, I know that the subplot is a wedding, 
But this is insane. How can they afford a wedding in Australia with a house on a private beach? A private mini cruise, literally flying people out to Australia on top of themselves. A two-story house that can house nine adults with a pool, a nice patio, and a porch. I had no idea they were shooting this in Sydney, but I've been missing out. One shot that was pretty good was when B and Ben were trapped on a buoy in the middle of Sydney Harbour at night. I'm sure many people have seen it, but it was shown quite well in this film. Reminded me very well of when I visited, and that is a cool thing if a movie can do that. Makes you feel special to have also experienced it yourself. The lights in the background and the vague reflections created an amazing shot. We also had B and Ben revisit the Sydney Opera House, at least on the outside, and it looked good. It was a rather pivotal moment. The world of this film was a little confusing as well. Now first, let me say, geography is not my strong suit. So part of the group in this film went on a hike, and it was beautiful seeing natural Australia. There was even a koala that looked real, but may or may not have been fake. There was a ridge, or a cliff, looking out over rural Australia, and it captured Australia's image. The thing is, I think it was weird that there was a sprawling mountainside and cliff that was apparently near their private beach house that was somewhere near or in Sydney. They really grabbed all the cliché things people think about when it comes to Australia, huh? Hmm, hmm. The wedding happened on a cliff next to water, and I'm pretty sure someone should have died for doing what they did there. I really want to know how they shot this film. The scenes, simple scenes, can be funny. These families seem to have way too much time on their hands, even though there is a wedding, and that still has last-minute plans, because everyone, including the brides, were playing matchmaker with B and Ben. It's really stupid and really funny. There were two groups, at different points, just talking loudly from places they knew B and Ben could hear, such as by the poolside behind a wall, or just outside next to a slightly open door. The boys are doing a really bad job, and the girls are doing slightly better. Just saying things like, B is still in love with Ben, Ben is still in love with B, they never should have left, they never should have said those things, etc, etc, I mean, Ben fell for it, and B just saw Claudia and Haley just lie flat on the ground outside after Ben walks in. Once again, it was so dumb, but it was funny to see at the same time. There was a scene where B hit Ben in the groin, the sex scene. There was a scene where, on the hike, everyone was focused on the koala except B and Ben. They were setting a plan of theirs into action. They then found a massive spider, which was terrifying, literally threw... Ben's clothes off a cliff. B checks to make sure there are no more spiders. This scene was hilarious. I think I'd faint if I found a spider like that on me. This movie is quite unhinged. The music score was delightfully fun. It was written by Este Haim and Christopher Stracy. Really suited the romantic comedy vibe of the film. I felt like every score was appropriate for every scene. I enjoyed the arrival to Sydney when Ben was getting helicoptered to Sydney Opera House. The music for those scenes made it much more enjoyable than they probably should have been, at least for the first one. I found myself snapping out of the film, focusing on the score. I was still paying attention, but the score was pretty good. There was also a song, not by Este and Christopher, called Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield. 
This was Ben's comfort song, or serenity song, if you will. Helps him with flying. It's a pretty good song. I'm pretty sure every character ends up singing a part of it at some point. Me and Ben sing it around the middle of the movie, and then we see everyone else sing parts of it in the end credits, where we see familiar scenes that have played out, but replaced with singing unwritten. It's like a weird bloopers thing. I'm not sure if it's just me, but I think Sidney Sweeney and Glenn Powell can't sing. They were bad. It could have been intentional. They could be amazing singers outside the film, but man, I felt myself cringe a little. The scene itself was pretty good, but I found myself brought down from it. Tropes in this film. I would say I have seen the fewest tropes used, at least compared to the movies in the last 10 weeks or so. I will discuss today... Naked People Are Funny, The Australian, and Tall Short Jokes. Naked People Are Funny. I would say this depends a lot on the context, and then perhaps on who delivers the scene. So what not to do, for example. In the scene in Central Intelligence, young Dwayne The Rock Johnson got thrown naked in front of the entire school in the gym, and pretty much everyone was laughing other than Kevin Hart. Bullying is never funny, especially to that level. So, for anyone but you, Joe Davidson is playing Bo. Every Australian stereotype. The accent and all. Bro gets naked and hugs Ben after taking a shower in public. Ben just had a serious and meaningful conversation, so the contrast is great. Other than being Ben, Bo is probably the one who is the most naked in the film. The trope is repeated a few times with varying responses. I laughed a little the first time, and then nothing for the remainder. Just became fan service and added nothing else. Nothing wrong with fan service, though. Speaking of the Australian, the Australian characters are wild. Constant slang from Bo, and some occasional slang here and there from the others. Accents that were a little off in their dialect, almost do not understand them at times. If you are Australian, you are in love with coffee. In tune with wildlife, they were absorbed by the koala. Nudity is also fine. Etc, 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 If my research is correct, there was one of the Australian actors was speaking with an American accent instead of an Australian. I found most of these funny. I'm pretty sure I heard other people laughing as well at some of these, but I've also heard groaning. So, mixed reviews. It is interesting to see how Hollywood sees Australians in 2024. Lastly, Tall short jokes. These jokes were only between B and Ben, and were pretty much always insults. The sexual tension and all that. The main time I remember when this came up was when B found out her secret. She had only told Ben had been spilled. At least this is when I think this happened. Some back and forth happened, leading to Ben calling B short, and B saying that Ben was not tall enough for her to say that. Ben slash Glenn is 5'11", and B slash Sydney was 5'3". It is wild to think that these were their heights. I honestly thought Ben was at least 6, either way. Very beautiful individuals, ignoring the height. I remember the tall short jokes coming in here and there, but I do not remember. Perhaps on another watch. Acting. Everyone was good. Great, even. Sydney Sweeney as B was great. The tension between her and Ben never felt forced. The pain she showed in the mirror and towards the end was amazing to see. 
She convinced Ben before punching his privates that she was still into him. I was fooled too. Glenn as Ben was great. There were times when I think he was slightly underacting, only because of the other characters that were acting as super stereotypical Aussies. I love the scene where he tells B about his mum's giant wrench. He made teaching an old man to swim really wholesome, and was hilarious when he walked into the room in that one scene and Claudia and Haley just dropped a flap to hide. Alexandra Ship as Claudia, she was great. She showed great love towards Haley, incredibly believable. When she blamed Ben and B for ruining the wedding, I was not on her side at all. I was viscerally not on her side when she did that. Hadley Robinson was good, though not enough to shine, I would say. Her love towards her sister and Claudia was pretty good. I enjoyed seeing her on screen. Gata, as Pete, he was the best character for sure. He was crazy, but not too crazy. He supported Ben. He takes care of his dog and technically was the indirect cause for the cake incident, but everyone seemed to just blame B and Ben. He is chill and loves music. What more could you want in a character? Some people say he was basically playing himself, but hey, that's still fine. The other characters were delightful. Margaret, Ben's ex, is played by Charlie Frazier. Bo is played by Joe Robinson as Margaret's current fling. Everyone was pretty good. On to messages. Trust your feelings. Communication is key. Trusting your feelings. As a rom-com, of course, it works out. In real life, be a little more careful. This message is different for the individual, really. If you're a great judge of character, if you're generally lucky, who you're surrounded by, and many more factors can apply. Finding love can be both easy or hard, depending on who you are. At the end of the day, you must put trust in your feelings. If you're in love, give it a shot. Especially if you have a good feeling about the other person. Sometimes logic isn't the answer. Sometimes it is. Trust, intuition, instinct, and feeling. There are a lot of nuances. I hope that you know what you are doing. If you think you need a little help, look at the people around you. Your feelings are important, whether you trust or don't. Now on to communication. Communication is key. I'm sure that many people will have an inkling of what I will be saying about this. In life, in love, communicate. communicate. Be honest. Communication is the key to a good relationship and is the key to end one. What's better than communicating? Finding out the interests of people, past experiences, dumb purchase skills, etc. Saying I love you to understand your friend, family, or partner. Communication. So you can build together, move together, work together. There will be arguments, but at least with communication, there will be better chances of survival. Everyone is happy communicating. On the other hand, ending relationships, friendships, etc. Communication. Talk it out. Don't be a cheater. Ghoster or worse. Talk it out. Clear, defined. It's over. On top of the verbal communication in a relationship, there are five love languages. Just ways to show appreciation, really, in my opinion. Number one, words of affirmation. Number two, quality time. Number three, physical touch. Number four, acts of service. Number five, receiving gifts. There is a test to find out which one you are. 
which one do you respond to the most, and which one do you dish out the most. These can be different, but yes, communication is good. I love rom-coms, so I will probably be biased to this film. At the same time, I have also just watched a lot of rom-coms too. At least for the anime side of things. I do recommend Love is War, top tier. Horomiya is pretty good. Orisuki is also top tier. As for movies, I recommend Blended and Before We Leave. Not bad. I enjoy rom-coms a lot, because generally they are funny and somehow always feel unique. It's just fun seeing these different lives play out. I've been around a fair few couples, and 90% of the time I find myself in stitches laughing. It's the silliest or stupidest things. It's a comfort. It may not be yours, but I hope you find that comfort of yours. Also, it seems this movie borrows from one of Shakespeare's works. Much ado about nothing. Similar vibes, but the protagonists are tricked by a villain into hating each other. The friends tricked the wrong people into believing they were in love. I do recommend reading the play first, but I can understand if you struggle to read it. This is the time for reviews. As per usual, critics first. For the critics, it seems that for critics, this movie is smack dab in the middle with fives out of tens. We have critics saying, It all seems... Been there, watched that. Is a hell of a lot better than the trailer suggested. Doesn't reach any great heights, but entertaining enough with a laugh here and there. Glenn Powell and Sidney Sweeney elevate the rom-com genre in this sweet and funny modern day telling of Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing. Perhaps the most refreshing thing about anyone but you, everyone gets to be horny. It seems like a miracle that a movie like this is even allowed to exist in this day and age. The two leads may be very attractive, but they have next to no chemistry. I'm gonna have to disagree somewhat with this person. Now to the audience. I wonder what they think. Seems 8 to 9 out of 10s with mixed reviews. Everyone quite enjoyed it. This movie stunk. As good looking and as sexy I, I think Glenn Powell is, nothing could save it. Really tired of all the F-bombs. Also, the guy next to me went to sleep. Don't go. Great old-fashioned heartwarming romance comedy. Loved it from beginning to end. Definitely confused about the ratings. Storyline was funny and fresh. Great cast who meshed well with each other. Best rom-com in years. Sidney Sweeney and Glenn Powell were perfect in the starring roles. It is so well written and funny. The entire movie was enjoyable. Not just a couple lines. Well, I must say, ratings were varied from all sides. There did appear to be a few sticks in the mud. But that's fine. Alrighty, for me, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the chemistry, the jokes... And the plot was funny. The shots were wild. It was a fun watch. Australia was an entertaining plot device. I would put this movie as a 7 out of 10. Now for the quote of the week. For the record, there are a lot of good one-liners in this movie. Permission to put my left hand on your right buttock? Thank you, Belgrave Cinema. If you feel like enjoying a movie, why don't you pop down? 145 Dumeric Street. Students get cheaper tickets. If you love movies, there's a Belgrave Plus membership that you can get to have cheaper tickets for a year. 
I'll see you all again next week. This was Screen Time on Tune 106.9, going to the credits.